0: Well, uh, turn to your Bibles to James chapter 4. Thank you, Scott, for leading us. Thank you, team, for leading us in a wonderful time of worship. If you're a dad today, again, a very, very special uh, greeting to you. That song, Good, Good Father, just makes me think of how gracious our Heavenly Father is. And if you're a dad here, let me just say this. It is so easy as a dad uh, to be tangled up in how you perform. I couldn't help but laugh on the on the video screen. Are you those that cook or order pizza? Anyone recognize that divide? Those that, that fix the leak or call the plumber to fix the leak, right? And it's so easy to have in your mind a picture of what the perfect dad is and uh, sometimes to be discouraged. But let me just say this. Fatherhood is not about performance. Fatherhood is about presence. And our good, good father, through the presence Of his spirit through the presence of Jesus on earth to make a way to him comes to his son and he comes to his children with his presence and with his people. And so today, as a dad, you can rejoice that your sin can be forgiven. You can turn from your sin, but you also can recognize that who I am is not dependent upon how I perform or whether I can fix a leak or whether I can cook real well. Your Fatherhood is dependent upon the grace and mercy of the Father for you this morning and you take that with you and you be present with your children today and maybe they're they're distant but you you text them or you write you you, you call them and, and you be present somehow uh, this morning as as I was coming in one, one guy told me, Uh, He's an older gentleman, and and this just really grabbed my heart. He said, yesterday, I, I spent five hours with my son, who is in one of the overcomers programs. And his son has been messed up in alcohol and drugs. And I asked him afterwards, can I share this? And his son has been messed up in alcohol and drugs. Can you imagine five hours and his son hasn't been able to to be with anybody? They've kind of kept him apart. But now he's able to be with his dad. And I can't think of anything greater, fathers, than the presence, your presence in the lives of your son and children. So I, I give you the good, good father. I give him to you in his grace as you, as you, our dads, and as you are granddads to those sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters, be present. Be present. Be available. And God will work through you. I say that for me, and I say that to you as well. If you also volunteer, I I, I failed to mention, some are spectacular volunteers. Thank you. What a phenomenal week this week. Two hundred. 267 of you gave up your time this week and you gave up sleep because I know what it took energy wise to do that but we couldn't have done it without you and I'm going to go out on a limb here are John and Rhonda are you in this room so I know that often they're down in the hallways below John and Rhonda are you here no okay good our secret here all right just in this room they are phenomenal They are unbelievable. And so what you need to do is send them a note, send them a card, um, give them a hug, pat them on the back, send them a text, and just say, thank you for pouring yourselves into volunteers and into our kids so that over 500 kids throughout this week could hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you. Thank you, volunteers. We thank John and Rhonda as well. Let's go to the Lord right now. Father, we ask as we come to the Word of God that your Spirit would lead us, and we only have a few minutes left, but we pray your Spirit speaks powerfully because your Word is alive, and it is active, and it pierces into our souls, down to our bones, so we pray right now that we are calm and that we are quiet and that your Spirit speaks and your Word leads the way in transforming us as we encounter you. Oh, Father, be strong and powerful with your Word to us. May it not be overbearing. And, Father, with your compassionate heart, would you encourage us as well to be all that Christ intends for us to be. And we pray this prayer in his name, in Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 4 this morning, let's go. Find your Bible, it's in there in the P-Rack in front of you. You can turn on your digital device. We want to look at one paragraph this morning. Here's what this paragraph does, all right? If you are a planner, don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you, okay? If you are a planner, though, this word speaks directly to you, all right? If you are someone who who is really, really diligent in in plotting out the future, here is a word for you. Now, I need to be careful here because here is where we all can fall trapped to to planning, And, and we might not be a really diligent planner, or we might be an awful planner, but we all fall into another category, and it is this, that we all have some sense of control of the future. And so here is a word from James, just not to those who plan well or those who don't plan well, but let's broaden it out a little bit. This is a word for those of us who think we've got control of things or we struggle because we don't have control of things. Here's a paragraph, all right, for those of you who have, hey, I've got to pull myself up by my own bootstraps mentality, all right, you got, you got some confidence in you, you got some get up and go in you, here's a word for you this morning. Here's a word for those of you, though, who are discontent this morning and you're worried about your future. You're thinking about what's ahead because the grass is always what? It's always greener on the other side of the fence, But here's a word for those of you who, like Chicken Little, think the sky is falling or it's about to fall in the next few days. Those who worry, those who are anxious, those who when it comes to the future for you or your career or your children or your grandchildren, whatever it might be, you're always, always in turmoil. You're never at peace. You're never still before God, and and you're allowing him to go. Here's a word for all of us from the book of James this morning. All right, here's what it says James chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to this strong word. It says, It's come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and we will do this and that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil, so whoever knows the right thing to do, and he fails to do it, For him, it is sin. Strong paragraph, strong word from the Holy Spirit this morning. And it's just not to businessmen who in the airports tomorrow and who on the highways tomorrow are going to be going around and they're going to get to their destination. They're going to make their connection and they're going to go and sell and they're going to go and and do business. It's just not a word to those businessmen on Father's Day. We're not picking on you businessmen. We're not picking on you financial planners who are here this morning. We're not picking on you. Instead, again, James broadly wants to speak to those who think they have control. So here's thought number one this morning from verse 13, and it is this. Planning with control over your future in mind is planning without God in mind. We'll leave it up on the screen so you can write it down. All right? Listen, just not for businessmen, not just for those who plan really well, It's for all of us, planning for your future, control of your future. Is that what you're planning for? If that's what you have in mind, James says this, you're planning without God in mind. All right, the historical context here is pretty simple. James looks into these house churches, here's these businessmen, and they say, here's what we're going to do, here's when we're going to do it, here's how long we're going to do it, here are the results, and here's all of the, uh, all of the ingredients of this formula we're going to put into place, and this is how we're going to live our lives. And James says, hold it right there, that planning... With control of your future in your mind is really planning without God in mind. He's nowhere to be found. Now, let's try and bring this to day to day living, okay? Let's try and bring it to all of us who try and plan with our futures in mind. This past week, I spent time on the phone trying to determine where Harrison was going to play football or if Harrison was going to play football, all right? Was I planning with God in mind, or was I operating in my own little world? This past week, Sheree and I were planning about updates to our house and repairs that needed to be made, but here's the conviction. Was I planning with God in mind, or was I planning with only what I thought in mind? You see, here's what we do. Here's what we do. When it comes to decision-making in our futures, we ride a couple of waves. One wave is the culture, what everyone else around us is doing. So it's easy for, for, for me to, to go and look and see in my season of life what everyone else is doing, what all the other families are doing, what, what what all the other homeowners are doing, right? And it's easy to ride another wave, the wave of our circumstances, all right? What, what, what are my circumstances right now? So therefore, I, I need to make this move to get out or to get in and, and whatever it is. We ride those two waves, but planning with control of our future in our mind and in our heart is planning without God in mind. Think of these other instances where we have to make decisions when to move and where to move, when to sell our home, what home to buy, where to vacation, strategies if if I'm at work for how to make my sales or business grow in 2016 and 17 and beyond. What move do I need to make personally in order to take that next step up of my career? Hey, I'm a a high school junior, senior. What college do I apply for? Hey, if if I'm interested in a boy or girl, whom will I date? Interested in marrying somebody? Whom will I marry? What steps do we take as a church? What steps do I take daily in helping to plan the strategy and, and execute the vision of the church? And we could go on and on and on, but daily living, here is what we do. We ride the wave of our culture, or we ride the wave of our circumstances, and we say, I've got control of this thing. I've got control of my retirement. I've got control of my possessions. I've got control of my resources, and I'm going to direct them with my future, or the future of my family in my heart and in my mind. And James says, hold it just a second. God is not relegated to what you do on Sunday morning. God is to be weaved into the fabric of my family, and of my house, and of my relationships, and of my business, and of my work, and moms, of my day-to-day schedule, of my kids, God is not to be left to the side. This is what this whole paragraph's about. He's saying, if you plan with the future in mind and you can control that then james says you are just like these guys who are saying here's the formula here's how it's going to work and here's the result this is a strong word for all of us as we ask ourselves the question what distinguishes me and Shree? what distinguishes me and Shree? What distinguishes you and your wife and you and your husband? What distinguishes you and your family from the culture around you, from the world around you, when it comes to our future? What distinguishes me and my wife and our checkbook from the world? What distinguishes you and your family and your calendar from the world? What distinguishes you in your retirement, or you in your career, or the way you operate your business from those around you? What distinguishes you, mom, day to day with your kids that God has given you from the other moms that don't know Jesus around you? Do you you see the point? Here's what James is saying. He's saying, look, you business guys that are gonna fly out in the morning, there's nothing that distinguishes you from everybody else because they think they have the future in control of and in their own hands, and so do you. And so he comes to the, to the churches, and he has a, has a warning, and, and he has some evidence here, verse 14, all right? Second thought, life is uncertain, life is short, and life is out of our control right? This is, he's going to say, okay, let me give you some evidence as why planning, um, you, you need to slow down here. He's not condemning planning. Let me say this. Don't, don't walk out and go, the, the pastor says we should never plan. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you should plan under the submission and leadership of God. We'll get to that in just a second. I'm not saying don't plan. In fact, probably most of us could think a little bit more about our future, but think under the authority of God. We'll see that in just a second. But here's where James comes in. He says, I want to tell you why... I want to tell you why when God looks down on you and you act the way you do, you're asking, why is it arrogant? You see at the end of the paragraph, why is this arrogant? Because God looks down on you and he looks at our lives and he's just not being somber here. He's just being real that your life is uncertain. Your life is short and you have no control over your lives, even though we think we do. And we see this over and over in the Scriptures. James says, what is your life? But it is like a mist that comes and it vanishes. So how can you say in arrogance, I'm going to go do this tomorrow, I'm going to do this tomorrow, or I'm going to spend a year here when your life is short, your life is uncertain, and your life is out of control? James is saying, listen, you need to look at life a different way. You you need to look at it from, from God's vantage point you got to look at it differently than you're looking at it now. It's, it's kind of like looking at, at, at a situation that a, a gentleman was in one time when one of his colleagues, a businesswoman, she was finding success in her career, and so the, the company asked her to open a new branch and to open a new office. So this colleague was awfully proud of his friend, and he he goes to the florist and he says, hey, I want to send flowers over there. Just congratulations and, and, you know, just go get them. And whatever would be appropriate, you put it on there. And so uh, the florist sends the flowers over there, and you can imagine when he walked into the new branch, into the new office, he sees the flowers there, but there's a wreath, and it says, rest in peace. All right? So he goes back to the florist, And he's like angry. He's like, this is, it's not a funeral. She didn't die. This is a good thing. It's a good occasion. And the florist is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize for that. But just look at it a different way. Look at it this way. There's someone who is buried, and on top of them now is some flowers with a wreath that says, good luck in your new location, right? So, So it's a matter of how you look at it, right? Just look at it differently. And this is what God is saying to you this morning. For those of you who think you have control, look at it differently. Look at it from God's perspective that your time is going by quickly. This hits home, you know, in when, when, our children. I, I took my daughter uh, down to Charlotte uh, Friday and, and Saturday, and we walked into my mom and dad's place to to see my mom, and, and immediately what strikes you is how quickly time goes by. Pictures of the kids, and, and the pictures of the kids when they were little, and so Emma Grace just kind of picks up on it right away. Hey, look at me when I was little. Isn't that, isn't that cute? Look at Harrison when he was little. Isn't he, isn't he cute? And, and, and you just, you're, wow, how, how did it go by so quickly? Parents know that. She comes over to where my mom had my senior high school graduation picture. Wouldn't you love to see that? And Emma Grace didn't go, oh, that's so cute. She just said, that's just weird. <laughs> that's what she said. I don't know what that is. You know, hair's a little bit thinner. Face's a little bit thinner. Total, time goes by so quickly. You're a dad here this morning. I, I saw this, this title of a blog post about our kids, and it, the title was this, 940 Saturdays, and you're done. From the time you have a newborn baby to the time they're 18, you have roughly 940 Saturdays, and your parenting is done. Now, we know parenting's not done, but they leave. Life is short. Life is quick. It goes by so fast. Yesterday I was sitting, or Last week, I was sitting right here, Sunday evening, thinking of all that was happening in Orlando and just got done watching all the news, and I read, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And I'm not trying to be somber. I'm just simply trying to point out James' case he's making here. You don't have control over your future like you think you do. And Proverbs says the same thing. Um, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Psalm says your your life is like a shadow. It just kind of vanishes away. Psalm 90, if you want to read a chapter which talks about this principle of, of God who is eternal from eternity past to eternity future, and he stands above all things. Moses writes this psalm, and he says, Dear God, how can we stand before you when a thousand years to you is like nothing when we are like grass? You look down on the earth, and we are like the grass that, that flourishes in the morning and it fades away in the evening and God how can you how can we stand before you the great God with our sin and with our life and James comes in and he says do you see why it's important to understand who you are your life is short it's uncertain it's out of your control and I, I said this in the first hour I said, listen, some of you, life is short and it means something totally different than the follower of Jesus. For the follower of Jesus, life is short and we recognize that the Father has control and and so as we'll see in just a second, we submit to him, but for some of you who are not followers of Jesus, and I said this again to the first hour and there's many more seniors in that hour, but it doesn't matter how old you are, some of you do not know Christ. And I would simply say this, you are not guaranteed Tomorrow. You're not. I'm not. Um, And I would simply urge and plead with some of you that you come to understand the Father's great love through Christ and through the gospel and through the forgiveness of sins that comes because Jesus died for your sins. He was buried, he was resurrected so that you could enter into a relationship and so that you could sing in your heart, I was a sinner. I was apart from you. I was running from you. I fooled everybody, but now you are a good, good father to me. Can you say that? Life is short. It's uncertain. It's out of control, which brings us to the third thing, and it should drive us to run to the Father. Verse 15, here's what he says. Instead you ought to say if the lord wills we will live and do this or do that thought number three this morning is this condition your mind and your heart to see that all your possessions all your relationships and all your plans belong to god all right we'll leave it up there condition your heart condition your mind look at it differently, that everything I own, all my relationships, all of my plans are under the sovereign hand of Almighty God. If the Lord wills it. If the Lord directs it. Instead, businessman James says, go and plan your trip. But come underneath the authority and submission of the Lord and and come to him and say, is this your will? Then move. And if the Lord leads you in that direction, great. If the Lord says, hold it another direction, then you say, that is the Lord's will. That is where we should go. Put this into practice in your everyday life. If the Lord wills, we will do this. This past week, as I'm planning with my staff, just read this. We're sitting around the table, and I caught myself using this little phrase, if the Lord wills this. It's not like a little magic phrase we pull out of our pocket. makes us more spiritual. It shouldn't be. You can abuse that phrase. Some people have, but it's a phrase of the heart and of the mind that says, I don't have control over my future. My life is short, and God does, so therefore, I fall under his leadership. I submit to his direction. I submit to the Lord. I draw near to the Lord, and I look to him for him to direct and to lead and to change and to open and to close. Whatever the Lord wills, that is what I will do. For instance, today, I don't know about you dads. You ready? I got the perfect day set up. You ready? Here's the perfect day. Preach, eat lunch, be with my family, take a nap, and watch sports the rest of the day. You like that? Any men out there, say amen if that's, if that's good. All right? Amen. All right? You get that? Women, easy gift right there. All right? Just leave them in the room. Let them watch TV. Till later, and then go in and poke them and see if they're alive later on. Right. I told Shree, here it is. I, ha- I give her a warning every, every Father's Day. This is all I'm asking for, all right? And so um, Shree comes to me, and she says, uh, hey, so-and-so might be driving through town, <laughs> And my first instinct is, that's going to mess up the plan. <laughs> that's going to mess up the, night. hey, hey, um, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to be spiritual and trying to be, hey, when are they coming again? <laughs> where where are they coming from? Were they driving through again? Trying to time my nap, right? Um, are they going to stay for dinner? Do you, what do you think, right? And, and, and really, he, he, here here's a simple way. Here's my plan for Father's Day. Instead, if the Lord wills, and he directs people here that I am able to be encouraged by and I'm able to encourage, God will give me my nap time. God will give me my TV time. God will do whatever he wants to do. But if the Lord wills, that's what I will do. You see how simple that is? Now, transfer that to the hard decisions. Here's where it gets difficult. What am I going to do with my retirement? What am I going to do with my money? What am I going to do with my career? God is asking me to change jobs, or God is asking me to change careers, or or if you're a college student, or a high school student, where am I going to go to school? And you're trying to plot the rest of your life. I think it's really tough. If the Lord wills, what am I going to what what am I going to do with the next steps in my life when it comes to dating? What am I going to do to the next to the next steps in my life when it comes to the resources God has given me? What what am I going to do with my family for the future, as far as planning for my children as they move and work their way through? Some of you have it mapped out all the way to their graves. And here's what God says. Here's what James says. If the Lord wills, so be it. Here's a simple little couple of phrases that I have helped me just this week and hopefully will help you. Simple phrases here. When it comes to prayer, we'll put it on the screen. Plan nothing without petitioning God. Plan nothing without petitioning God. Whoa, man. Where is that phrase in my life? You can think it's steps, can't you? Where was that step? Where was that little phrase from James there about, if the Lord will, so therefore I'm going to plan nothing without petitioning God. Here's the second phrase. You ready? Here comes the practice, do nothing without the permission of God. Do nothing without the permission of God. Now, if you take those two things seriously, God can use that in your life, not to make you legalistic and formal and cold and rigid with what you do, but it can begin to shape your heart. That's what prayer does. Prayer begins to shape our hearts and make us open and sensitive and aware to what god's heart is what god's will what god's direction is oftentimes when we come to decision making our hearts are bent on what we want to do there's no way we're going to move one way or the other we've already got our mind made up we have our we have people telling us in our ears and we we are clear but you've never come to prayer about these things look we've all been there And you say, I'm not going to plan anything without petitioning God coming to him. And then I'm not going to do anything unless he gives me the permission to do so. And you walk with other people in that. You walk with God, but you walk with others. And you bring them in and you say, will you pray with me? And will you plan with me? And will will you help me understand what is the will of the Lord here before I make this move? Oh, how we all need that. Position your mind and heart because our hearts and minds aren't conditioned any other way. Ask yourself some of these questions, all right? I'm just gonna put them out there really quickly. Will this decision I'm, I'm about to make expand and serve the kingdom of God, or will it build and strengthen my own kingdom? That's a great question when it comes to retirement, when it comes to money, when it comes to resources, when it comes to next steps. Will this move I'm about to make serve and expand God's kingdom and God's people, or will it build and strengthen mind. Number two, will it highlight this move I'm about to make? Will this move highlight God's glory and grace in me or will it spotlight and put the attention on me and what I'm about to do and my abilities and my gifts? See the difference there? Will this move I'm about to make shine the light of God's work where people look at that and go, God's at work in your life versus here's my move here's my abilities here's my skills here's my this is natural for me is it supernatural from god or is it naturally from you third question will it hinder when it comes to your children when it comes to your family this move i'm about to make will it hinder my child's development foremost spiritually or will it help them grow This move I'm about to make with my kids, this move I'm about to make with my family, whatever it might be, ask yourself, will it help or will it hinder? Will it move my children closer to God, closer to Christ, or will it draw them away from him? These are great questions to ask. Here's the last thing, and we're done this morning. Verse 16 and 17, he says this. Read it. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James says this, that number four, leaving God out of our plans is living in prideful rebellion. Now just saying that as we close this morning, just saying that just doesn't sound right. I mean, how many decisions have I made and I just say, God, I I just didn't bring you in. I, I, I just... I just took off on my own. God with my family, oh, I just, I wish I would have brought you in. And leaving God out, James says, it's boasting. It's arrogant. It's rebellion. It's sin. Wow, that's a hard word. But here's why. Here's why. Because God loves you, and he longs to bring out his glory in your life. He he wants to get glory from you, and he wants to bring good to you. He wants to make you like Christ. But if we have the reins, if the future, if, if control of our future is all we care about, then we've left God out. And when we bring God in from the beginning and allow him to lead us, then he gets glory. Then we become like Christ because we've submitted to him. Do you realize Christ, we think of Jesus as this incredible person who's strong and powerful, and he is, and he will come back, and he will reign, but he comes, and he suffers, and he submits. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Here is the submissive, suffering Christ who leads us. He says it can be done. And we follow him as we submit to him. This is what God wants us to be. And then the results are up to God. We worry about the results, but God is at work. He controls all things. We worry about the future, and we say, okay, if I just trust God, will he do what is right? Yes, if we submit to him, he will do what is right. He will provide He will sustain. He will give you what you need if you, as Jesus said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things are added to you. Praise God. Praise God for a word that comes to us and says, I am in control. Yield to me, and I will provide. I will work. I will sustain, I will nurture, and I'll get glory. That's what he wants from all of us. Let's pray about that right now. Father, indeed you are merciful and gracious in all of your ways. So we pause right now just before we sing. we pause right now and we ask for your Holy Spirit to just work and move in our hearts that you would forgive us Lord, that's the first word that comes to my mind, after preaching this, after hearing this, after my own heart feeding on this the first word that comes to mind is, Father will you forgive me, will you will extend mercy and grace to me through Christ for the ways in which I boastfully and arrogantly left you out forgive me for the witness, the testimony that is hindered because hearts this morning as they think about things where they have moved ahead in their own lives and their own futures and there's regret this morning there's hurt father i pray that your goodness would come to them and encourage them and they would begin to see a new way Father, give us courage. This is what this, a text like this takes. It, it takes courage to say this is how we will live. If the Lord wills, we'll condition our hearts and minds. That if he wills and if he moves, we will follow. So, Lord, give us courage. And we only can receive that courage through Christ. And so we look to you. We look to his cross. We look to him. And we receive whatever you give us to be obedient to your word this morning. Thank you. Thank you this in Jesus' name. Amen.